Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for the sermon today is the Gospel reading from Matthew chapter 15, beginning at verse 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Jesus has just had one of his many run-ins with the scribes and the Pharisees of Jerusalem. They've sent a delegation up into the north to find Jesus and ask for an important question. Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when, they're, when they eat. Jesus turns the table on them and says, While the disciples are breaking man's traditions, their traditions can sometimes be found to be breaking God's commandments. He says, it's not what goes into the mouth, like with unwashed hands, that defiles a person, but it's what's in the heart. And here he implies that the Pharisees should look into their own hearts to see in truth their own corruption. And this offends the leaders. Jesus' disciples come to him concerned because he's making enemies of powerful people. And so Jesus withdraws to the outskirts in the north of Israel, to the district of Tyre and Sidon, because his time has not yet come. He needs to let things cool down a little. Our reading continues, And behold, and Matthew there means, look at this, pay attention, look at, look at what's happening here. A Canaanite woman from that region came out, and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Now the Canaanites were one of the people groups that Israel was supposed to displace when they conquered the promised land. They were an idolatrous people practicing divination and even child sacrifice. God had said the Israelites should eliminate them under Joshua. Of course, Israel did not do it. And there is a remnant that remains in the land, though not in Israel proper, but out on the fringe. And here in this far-removed region, Jesus and his disciples are walking, and a woman begins to follow them, and she starts to cry out after Jesus, and she keeps crying out, and it's really getting on the disciples' nerves. She has a real concern. Her little girl is severely oppressed by a demon. She comes to Jesus, and this is her prayer. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. And while the leadership of Israel is rejecting Jesus, here is this Canaanite woman who calls him Lord, a word that Jesus' own disciples use. Not only that, she calls him the son of David, and that, that's a messianic term. But Jesus doesn't answer her a word. And maybe that's not unexpected. She's a Canaanite, a Gentile. She's unclean. No self-respecting Jew would be caught dead talking with a Canaanite. Oh, and of course, she's a woman, in that culture, that's the second strike against her. They probably were not surprised at all that Jesus ignored her pleas for mercy. After all, 
she was outside the people of God, not deserving of Jesus' time. But then she's pretty persistent. She keeps following them and crying out, calling after Jesus, and it's really taking its toll on the disciples. I picture Peter reaching out finally and taking hold of Jesus' arm and begging him, For Pete's sake, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. Now, if it was Peter, it would probably be the only time when for Pete's sake really was apropos, because he would have been asking for his own sake. Jesus, do it for her so that she'll stop following us. And Jesus' response is simply, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And maybe the disciples looked at each other and, and said, how do we argue with that? Only to the house of Israel. Wait a minute, what did he say? Lost sheep? And then while they're stopped, she comes right up to Jesus. She humbles herself and kneels in front of Jesus and begs, Lord, help me. And finally, Jesus speaks to the woman, and he says, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Today, Jesus would have to undergo some sensitivity training because this is really insensitive on his part. He's not come into this region to set up a ministry to the Gentiles. She herself called him the son of David, a Jew, a child of Abraham. And in a very real sense, Jesus has been sent to the children of Abraham, to the house of Israel, not to the Canaanites. And yet in our Old Testament reading, God's word says, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. There are many other instances in the Old Testament where it's clear that the salvation that God is working in Christ is for all people. And yet in our text, we see Jesus double down on his rejection of her, even calling her a dog to her face. He's just fed over 5,000 people and he'll very soon be feeding 4,000 more. In this man, Jesus, God is feeding his ungrateful and unbelieving people in Israel, just like he did for 40 years in the wilderness after the Exodus. Does this woman, this outsider, this Canaanite, really believe? Or are her words just words? It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she answers him, Yes, Lord, for even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. The woman agrees with Jesus. She says, Yes, Lord, you're right. It would be bad to try to contradict God's plan to save his people Israel. You are Israel's Messiah. The bread you give belongs to the children. And when the children eat their bread, the dogs get to eat too don't they? The bread the Messiah gives is so abundant and overflowing that parts of it fall from the table onto the floor. I know that. And the crumbs of God's mercy will be plenty for me and my daughter. We don't need anything more. 
we notice that she doesn't argue with Jesus and try to prove that she really is worthy of his mercy, that her daughter deserves a miracle. She doesn't come to Jesus as though he owes her something. She asks for mercy. Mercy is something you ask for when you know you don't deserve it. Isaiah says, The Lord, Yahweh, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. And Paul writes, God has consigned all to disobedience, that he may have mercy on all. It has always been God's plan to save people from all the nations. The first promise of the Savior came not to Abraham and his descendants, but to Adam and Eve and to their descendants. But there is a particular order to it. God's Son would come to the house of Israel, but the ramifications of his coming, of his perfect life, his death and his resurrection, would be for all the world. Now Jesus answers her, O woman, great is your faith, being it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. We too, like this woman, feast on the mercy that falls overflowing from the table of the Master. Water with the word. A simple meal at the table with bread and wine hearing from the mouth of a pastor God's proclamation that our sins are forgiven. A wooden cross, an empty tomb. These might look like lowly crumbs, but they carry great power and God's mercy and his promise of salvation. Notice that Jesus complies happily with her request. It isn't that she's outsmarted him or trapped him into being merciful. He doesn't heal her daughter grudgingly. But we can imagine the joyful smile on his face as he grants her request. God longs to be merciful to all of his creatures. It is his loving desire that all would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. How often do we feel like God is turning a deaf ear to us, ignoring our pleas and shutting us out, that we're not worthy of his mercy, that God won't forgive us this time, that what we've done is beyond the pale and not forgivable, or that until we get a little better at keeping his commandments, he won't consider helping us in our need. Well, we can be confident. We can be confident as we come to God with our prayers and our petitions that he hears each one of them, that it's his heart's desire to be merciful to us because Jesus chose to carry that cross to Calvary, to pay the price for each and every one of our sins. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came for the meek and the humble and for all who are unworthy. He suffered and died and rose just so that he could lavish his love and his mercy on every sinner who calls on him in need.
how did this Canaanite woman hear about Jesus? How did she get such great faith? Well, we're not told how she heard about the Savior, but we do know how she came to have faith. It was the same way that we did. It was a gift of the Holy Spirit. And on the last day, when Christ returns, I imagine that this Canaanite woman and you and I will all marvel at the mercy of God, our Heavenly Father, as we find ourselves not relegated to crumbs that fall, but seated at the table with all of his children, enjoying the marriage feast of the Lamb in eternity. Thank you, Lord God, that you have brought us by faith into the household of Israel, that you have made us sons and daughters, that Jesus, who came for the lost sheep of Israel, has gathered us into the fold as well, so that there is one flock and one shepherd. Thank you for giving us faith to receive your gift of forgiveness and eternal life. May our joy and thankfulness be evident to those around us, that others may feast on your goodness and mercy. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.